For those of you who don't know Kenny Wallace, um, one, get out of your cave that you're staying in. Um, two, he is the biggest personality uh, that we've been missing in NASCAR. Um, the guy is absolutely incredible. One of the nicest guys I've met. He, um, he did some really cool stuff with me in my rookie year when we're doing a TV segment um, on Fox. And uh, my mentor, Kenny Schrader, he and, and, and um, Kenny Wallace are best friends. So they call him the Hermanator. Um, Herm is going to be joining the show. So, um, Keith, I know you weren't too familiar with some of NASCAR's history, but I get to show you a little bit of Kenny. And uh, I, I'm pumped to have him on the show. Dude, when you show it, so we were talking, we were actually in the car, I think, going to, to Best Buy or whatever, when you told me, you're like, hey, you're not going to believe this, but guess who's coming on the show? I got good news. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. And then you told me who, you know, you told me who it was. And then we started watching videos of him doing the Ric Flair scream and, and all that. He's, he is a big personality. And you said, it, you said something that kind of made me think. You said something NASCAR has been missing, like a big personality has been missing since then. And, and I think it's funny you said that because when I was watching all of those videos, the first thing I said to you was, this is his brand. Like oh, yeah. he is his, he is his own person. And it was super cool to kind of watch. Absolutely. No, that's, that was always the fun thing is when you look back at those, um, those NASCAR race day live. So, so, you know, it's like the college sport things when you got um, those guys out um, doing their deal before the like Lee Corso and all those guys out there. That's what NASCAR used to do. And I know they're making a big push for them to bring that back, but man, I'm telling you as a fan, as a kid um, watching the, um, the race, you wanted to watch NASCAR race day live because of Kenny Wallace. And um, there's, and, and being at the racetrack, the big crowds and stuff they had out there, like you're saying, he's coming out there doing the Ric Flair woo, um, you know, getting the crowd going. It's just, it was so fun to have him in racing. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. Um, but we're also going to be talking to him a little about, about what he's been up to. Uh, the guy has not stopped racing. He travels the entire country, um, still racing today, which is awesome. Um, you know, we, we talked about in the last show, once a racer, always a racer. And um, so I'm, I'm pumped up to have him. But then something else that's really cool about him is, um, you know, we talked about him being a media personality. But one of the big things we've talked about is society and social media. And one of the things I love about Kenny is his approach to social media, to um, fan response to sports leagues, especially NASCAR. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to get his take on this stuff. So um, it's going to be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, earlier this week, we were in uh, Cleveland. I flew back today. So I'm back in my home in Charlotte. And he yep. um, has gone to Disney World. Disney World. That's right. We won the Super Bowl. No, we. Uh, I, I am in Florida, and as you can tell, like there's a whole lot of burnt going on right here. It was it was pretty bad, but yeah, no, it's been it's it's been fun. But when you were in Cleveland, we had some big stuff go down. I mean, quite honestly, yeah. I don't know no. if you want to talk. I mean, we kind of talked about it while we were there, but it's all kind of I, I guess official now. Do you know what I mean? Like me and you were on the phone all day today, trying to get everything settled, trying to get, you know, and last night, trying to get everything we needed done, trying to make sure we had, you know, uh, all the, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted or whatever, however that saying goes. And we had, we had a lot of stuff to do, but then we started really starting to expand and think about it. And I think we got a lot of good shows coming up soon. We got a lot of good content coming up soon. And, and with our, you know, with your backing and, and my backing and everybody else, I think it's going to be a super fun time. And you're going to have a lot of cool things coming at you. Good content, uh, whether it's our show, anybody's show, really. Yeah. And that's, that that's, we deal a, with. that's a cool thing. It's the whole cam voice umbrella of shows and networks. That's gonna be yeah. Show at home if it wasn't him dropping his camera. So 
that so basically i already called this just to let you know you i already said that I, I did i said this was this was definitely definitely 100 gonna happen because i had gone i need like the board behind me somewhere maybe tyler can put this in days without an incident between the days <laughs> without an incident yeah, it's like the office one where they got um, they didn't have anything going on. Then Michael comes down, jumps on all the, the boxes of paper and, and destroys all the shelves in the warehouse. That's what we need with me in this camera, um, because I apparently can never figure this thing out with how to keep it onto my laptop. So um, at this point, I think I'm just going to drill through and um, bolt it to my laptop and bolt it straight through the screen. And maybe it'll stay there. Um, I doubt it, but we could see. <laughs> like like the, the only thing is like you personally like i don't know if you just don't like cameras by you or what it is but dude like you hate cameras in your face i don't get it i i you don't gotta break it you don't gotta punch it dude it's fine you want to have this talk <laughs> you want you really want to start that I, okay okay buddy well i mean I, I punch things but that's out of anger i don't know why you do it uh, it's it's for the entertainment value well, it works. It works good. Works good. <laughs> so, right, well, so basic. Are we are we taking a break now, or we can? Because uh, I yeah. mean, we're we're not even in studio. We're like doing this remotely, which is which is fine. Yeah. But if we're gonna take a break now, I just need to know so I can say, "Hey, Tyler, we're taking a break." Well, you know, let's go ahead and do this. Um, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. It's a little bit of an extended break here as we get everybody calibrated because we all are remote today. So let's go ahead and do that. When we return from the ba um, break. We are joined by the one and only, the Herminator, Kenny Wallace. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. We'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane with Matt Tift and myself. We have a super, super special guest, but I'm going to let Matt introduce him because he was all giddy. You should see him in the car. He was like jumping up and down, screaming, grabbing me. I almost had to call his mom to tell him to calm down. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think I was trying to do my own Kenny Wallace impersonation in the car there. <laughs> well, um, no, I'm extremely excited today. We got Kenny Wallace uh, joining the show. Uh, it's kind of cool, actually, because... We're going into the Richmond um, weekend, and I really think the first time I got to hang out with her was we were doing, um, it was my first Xfinity Series year with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and um, and Kenny and I were just doing a bit for um, for uh, NASCAR and Fox, and so he's, uh, you know, we're just doing a deal, uh, him showing me around the track because he's won a, a bunch of times over at Richmond, and um, I tell you what, he um, he actually taught me a good bit, even though it's just a, a TV deal on that, but um that's, that's pretty cool anyways, but Kenny, welcome to the show. Um, super glad you're here to join us and I appreciate being on. Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm a big fan of yours. You're a great race car driver. And, and of course you've, uh, you became a, a big news for men's health with, you know, your, your brain issue. And uh, I've been following you and, uh, you look good, buddy. And thanks for having me on. Well, no, I, I uh, certainly appreciate that. And I actually wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that because you, um, I didn't see myself first on Twitter. My dad actually told me about it um, because you uh, publicly went on and you posted that you actually went and got a colonoscopy, not the most sexy thing ever to, to go no. talk about, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. 
You're no. right. <laughs> so why did, why did you put that out there? Because a lot of people in the NASCAR industry know, but, but why, why did you feel that was important to put that out there? Well, when you go way back, uh, I remember when John Andretti came into NASCAR. And, um, you know, we didn't hang out a lot, but I know that, uh, you know, Jeff Burton and Kim Burton were good friends with John Andretti and his wife. But John was always good to me. And, uh, you know, I remember some moments with John Andretti. For example, we got done racing at Rockingham in the Cup Series. It was 400 laps. And we got out of the car after 400 laps. And I don't know, we finished in the teens. It wasn't bad. But he looked at me and he says, my Lord, if I knew these NASCAR races were going to be this long, I'd have reconsidered coming and running these races. <laughs> so, so I always had a place in my heart for John Andretti. So the reason I announced yesterday that, hey, look, I'm, I went and I got my colonoscopy was because when, when John Andretti died of colonoscopy cancer, uh, you know, they, they said, hey, look, we have to take this serious. John Andretti's life could have been saved if he would have got a colonoscopy. Wow. And, and so the reason I decided to do that was because the only reason I was getting a colonoscopy is because I get a yearly checkup and my doctor said, hey, it's time for a colonoscopy. And I thought of John Andretti right away. And I thought, if I'm going to do this, you know, I am going to dedicate this to John Andretti. So I was in recovery and I told my wife, I said, here, take a picture of me. And like you said, Matt, it's, it's embarrassing for men, but I'm, you know, it shouldn't be, it saves your life. So that's the whole story, why I posted it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome. You know, for myself, um, you know, we've, we've seen over the years, the, the battles of, of professional athletes and coming out about different illnesses, whether it's, you know, things like John Andretti went through. And I think, um, you know, I think people like yourself being such a big personality and a big influence on social media, you don't know if you just saved um, two or three people's life, man. I mean, that's, that's absolutely awesome. It's horrible, of course, that we lost John um, to the colon cancer, but I think his legacy lives on within the NASCAR community and really in, in men's health in the community there of sharing the message of that. And I think that's awesome that, that you were able to share that. Um, but on a lighter note, I do want to hit on, we talked about this right before we came in. Um, so I see there's a, so now Keith is a very big baseball fan. We're, we're both big Cleveland Indians fans. We're from the Cleveland area. Um, but I, I know Mr. Kenny Wallace is about the number one St. Louis Cardinal super fan there. And um, I don't know if I'm talking about you or the dude behind you. <laughs> well, this is great because, you know, last year when, coronavirus hit you know they didn't start baseball until july mm -hmm. and they they said to try to make you know the players feel like there's somebody there you know they they made all these stand-ups so behind me is the authentic major league baseball stand-up and when they got done with it uh they sent me my cutout so uh i get a big kick out of it you know, it's the real deal. It's got the MLB authentic, you know, you know, stamp on it. And wow. I just, I just thought it was funny to keep it. And, uh, but yeah, Hey, on, on another note, same story. I was sitting down the first baseline at Bush stadium 
I don't know, maybe six years ago. And I've got a foul ball from one of the Cleveland Indians, a very famous name. And, and it, 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 I have brain fade right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was a very famous player. And I, and I have his ball somewhere around here. So uh, good for you. Yeah, I think it's great that any fans stay loyal to their team and where they're from. So good for you, all. Yeah, no, I think that's we talked about this on our last show uh, of like what it, what it means to be from your hometown, because, you know, Kenny, you, you lived in North Carolina. Um, I'm down here in Charlotte, you know, in the in the ring here, um, yep. racing deal with it with the team and everything now after driving and. You know, Keith and I talked about there's always some I, or I think there should be some attachment of your your groundedness of your hometown and in, in, in Cleveland. And I'm, I know St. Louis the following there because Randall Burnett was uh, my crew chief in the Xfinity series and it sounded like the same thing there. Um, and of course, knowing you and Trader, that attachment to your hometown there, I'm just on the outside of St. Louis. I think it's so cool for guys like um, yourself and then um, for Keith and I to no matter where we go, you, you bring that with you. And I think that's super cool because, you know, fans and people across uh, multiple sports, they know you that you're going to be at a, at a Cardinals game or myself. I, you know, when I got to throw the first pitch for the Indians game, and those are special moments because you feel like you're connecting back to the community. But, you know, you, you are a, you, you have been a, a professional NASCAR driver and you've been on TV and you do all this stuff but yet you're still a, a huge fan of something that connects you back to home. And I think that's so cool that you still publicly advertise that. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, that's great observation because uh, Kenny Schrader once asked me, what is your deal with that STO logo on your dirt car? So if you ever look at my dirt car, my race car on the hood scoop, it's just an STO. It's the St. Louis Cardinal logo. And I said, Kenny, I said, and it's just what you said. I'm just verifying what you said. That STO logo covers St. Louis for me. You know, we're the gateway to the West. We have that beautiful monument, the Arch. We're the home of Anheuser-Busch, McDonald's, you know, Ralston Perina. We have a beautiful zoo. You know, we have so much going on here that St. Louis is just near and dear to me. I had a wonderful childhood. You know, I mean, I was your all-American kid. I, I ran the creeks. You know, you'd find little ponds with minnows in them. You know, I, I rode a bicycle constantly. My bicycle was my best friend. You know, I made tree houses. And my childhood is great memories. And I love St. Louis. And, you know, St. Louis has never done me wrong. And, uh, you know, I moved, I moved to North Carolina to pursue my dream. And uh, I love North Carolina. Um, but St. Louis was always home and always it is home. And that's where I live now. And uh, so that, you know, that's the tie with me, you know, the Cardinals and myself, and they've been good to me. So, uh, and, and I grew up playing baseball, you know, I played Corey Lee and I truly do like baseball. Right. No, that's good awesome. Man. Yeah, no, I mean, Keith is, Keith's been a big fan, um, obviously, all, always in baseball, but he played a little bit in the minors himself, too, so I think that's awesome that you guys get to, um, you know, you guys get to connect on that, too. 
it, it, it is cool to, to talk to somebody who is just, I mean, like Cleveland for me means the same thing, right? Like no matter what I do, I always got the C. doesn't matter. I can't see it. Now. Yeah. It matter where <laughs> it, 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 everybody, everybody knows the C, you know what I mean? Like it's not, I mean, I get they're changing their name and everything, but it doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about the C, you know, it's about Cleveland. I don't care what they're going to change their name to. I don't care if they're going to change their name. I don't care. It's Cleveland. It's, it's, it's from the Cavs to the Browns to the, to the Indians or whatever they decide to be uh, next year. It, it's that sense of pride. I mean, I grew up in Cleveland, I, I, well, just outside of Cleveland, but everybody says here's Cleveland. It's a little dot, but it's not, it's all of Northeast Ohio. Like all of Northeast Ohio claims to be Cleveland. And it's so cool to see like, like you, you know, when I hooked up with you and stuff and we started talking about it, you're like, yeah, I'm from Cleveland, Northeast Ohio. It's like, you know, Peyton Hillis, Northeast Ohio, you know, when he stayed here, it's just, it's, it's funny to know that like, or to, to think about how much we've actually contributed to, to, you know, professional sports with LeBron James and, and then acting with, you know, the, we talked about that, that countless actors that come from Cleveland. And of course the music, Cleveland has everything. It's my heart. But then, you know, I, I I'm, I'm a, I, we, me and Tyler joke about it all the time. The producer, I said, the Indians are going to be horrible this year. So I got to be a Cardinals fan. I don't have a choice. <laughs> it's so funny that you're a Cardinals fan. You're bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And I totally get it. You know, uh, Oh, Joe Buck, the voice, you know, on, on Fox sports, he explains St. Louis in a good way. He says, uh, we're a big, small town. And I would say that's the same with you. You know, listen, I, I don't want to be New York City and I don't want to be L.A. and I don't want to be Chicago. I like St. Louis. You know, if it's a flyover state, so be it. If, you know, and, and I agree with, with Joe Buck, it is a big, small city. We, we got a lot going on here just like you do in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I, I love my home. I love my town. And, uh, for some reason, you know, um, just like you said, I, I just take that STL logo, and you know it's a religion here, right? I that's mean, right. That's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's our Cardinals are are a big deal. It, it's the one constant in the city of St. Louis that ties us all together. We we've been around since the 1890s. You know, the Cardinals are the second oldest um, baseball team. You know, in Major League Baseball, the, the oldest is. Uh, Cincinnati Reds and then us but uh the Cardinals one time had an American League team and a National League team an American League team was you know is gone and now we're a National League team but you know I mean so I think when you look through history you know uh, why is St. Louis such a big baseball town it is because of its history it's it's been around it was the very first sport here we've been through three stadiums we had Sportsman Park which was the first you know, Bush Stadium and now Bush Stadium too. So, you know, I think that's the deal with St. Louis and its Cardinals. Yeah, that's, no, awesome. that's awesome. Well, I do want to touch on, I got two more things I want to ask you about, but the first one is obviously you were a big part of NASCAR for a long time as a driver, as a TV host. And um, I know you made it out a couple of weeks ago to the Bristol dirt race. And I know you're a dirt racer, uh, you know, you, you go around everywhere um, still to this day going to local dirt tracks racing, which I think is fantastic. And, and you know, the, the racer never leaves you. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you about because you, um, you know, you publicly stepped away um, from being on the NASCAR on Fox sets and things like that to go spend some more time and do what you wanted to do. Um, Correct. And it's, I think that's very honorable to to do that but I think something really cool though is you have been you've still been racing and I want to ask you because you are 
constantly in the grassroots scene nowadays. Um, and you got to go back to Bristol um, for the Bristol Dirt Race. I know the monsoon came in when you were there and it was yeah. just an absolute nightmare with that. But, um, you know, I want to ask you because you are the best tie between NASCAR and the grassroots, um, you know, racing that we have. What was that weekend for you? What do you think that meant for the sport? And, you know, what was, it's, it's a big chance we took for cup cars going on dirt, but what do you think that did for the dirt racing community to NASCAR? Because when I was little, the dirt guys, they'd always be watching the cup races. And then as I got older and older, it seemed like there's some sort of a divide. And to me, we're all race fans. We should be in all this together. But um, I guess, what have you seen come out of that? And what was your take um, when you were in Bristol? I know what I want to say to you. And I'll make it, I'll condense it as much as I can. Sure. So years ago, Dirt fans, they loved the NASCAR, loved it. And all the Dirt fans and NASCAR, we were all one big happy family. Well, NASCAR lost their way. And Steve Phelps, you know, who's in charge of NASCAR now, he, he talked about that about four months ago during the winter. He said, we're trying to make it right. They know they, they, they messed up. And here's what they did wrong. I'm going to be specific. What they did was say Charlotte Motor Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, Bristol. Instead of let, letting these dirt racing fans buy a ticket to Sunday's race for the cup race, they got a little cocky. They know it. And they said, no, you got to buy tickets for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You got to buy these big packages. And in it, it left a lot of the dirt racing fans out. They became very sour. You know, then at the same time, NASCAR left Richmond, or uh, Rockingham, excuse me. NASCAR left Rockingham. They left Wilkesboro. You know, they started going to L.A., Chicago. And it just sent a message to the dirt racing fans that NASCAR doesn't care about us. Now, let's fast forward. You asked, what did the dirt race at Bristol mean to me? It meant that NASCAR was trying to go back to their roots, try to rectify a situation. But most of all, I know the number one reason, we had to reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we, we, know, we know that Fox Sports, Jacob Bowman, who is the talent scout. So Jacob Bowman, he's in charge of all the talent at Fox. He's the one that hired Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. He, you know, he's, he's pretty big. So, so he's the one sat in Vegas last year with Mikey Walter. And they said, man, we got to do wild, crazy things. We got to do something for NASCAR. It needs a jolt. And they dreamed up that dirt race. Now, now here's what they didn't know. That was a good thing. They didn't realize that, you know, the dirt fans feel like they did something for them. So, now, you know, it was, it was good for the sport because it, it's like the Roval at Charlotte. It's all new. It's exciting. It's different. It's the same thing as, you know, going to Circuit of America. Hey, NASCAR is different right now. But by putting that dirt on Bristol, I truly believe it's going to bring back thousands and thousands of fans. What's the number? It could be as many as a. 50,000 50, fans could say, hey, I'm going to give NASCAR another chance. And they're all grassroots dirt racing fans that had their feelings hurt. Right. No, I, I totally agree because I think the, 
like you said, there's a time um, for me growing up and, and, and seeing the, the giant boom that you went to different markets and things like that. But I think no matter what, you always got to remember where you're coming from. And I think that the, you know, to me, stock car racing, the best stock car racing you have is, um, is tight, close quarters racing, um, whether it's clean or whether, you know, it gets interesting at the end, some bumping and banging, no matter what, that's, that's the entertainment value. I think when you look at Martinsville and you look at Bristol and you look at these last few weeks, it has been fun. And then we go to Richmond and Talladega, like this is as a driver, um, of course, I'm yet to do the, the Bristol dirt race, but as a driver before and as a team owner now, this is the most fun stretch of the schedule, I think, because we're going there. We're going to a historic race of the, the Coke 600 coming up, then going to Circuit of the Americas. I, I truly think this is a fun part of, um, of, a, of a brand new schedule. And I think it's cool because I think we finally realized for you know people like myself, I'm 24 years old, but when I watch that race, other people are texting me about it that are my friends going, what the hell is this? Like, this is cool. Like, why don't they do this more? And, you know, that's, and normally it's, it's just the normal deal of like, oh, you know, what, what happened this weekend or whatever. And I got so many texts from people who don't normally watch racing that said, that was really cool. And we're talking about this on a Monday, you know, that was the cool part, you know, about that deal. And, uh, and I agree with you. I think it was cool to see, um, and maybe, maybe it wasn't intended, but I hope that connection comes back because, to me, at the end of the day, um, as we're talking about adding more road courses and some street courses, um, you know, dirt races, NASCAR should be the epitome of the best drivers in North America, um, but also that are in a stock car that's not meant to go to all these places. So how do you get the most out of your car? I think that puts on a good show. But, um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you were uh, in a big boom in the 90s of NASCAR. And, you know, you've been around for a long time um, between that and the TV side. What was that like for you to be a driver during the golden era of NASCAR to go into the TV side? And now, um, you know, you get to go enjoy and pick your schedule and, and go dirt racing when you want. How's that tra transition been? Because I know something that's cool to me is it, it seems like you're having a lot of fun. So what's what's been, that been like for you through the steps of your career to where you are today? Well, let me answer that first question, I liked it. You said, what was it like being in the golden era? And I was, I'll admit it, there's no doubt. I was in the golden era in the 90s. That's, we made a lot of money. They paid us good. And, you know, I, I considered myself a C driver. And, you know, what I remember most about the golden era is when we would, like on a Thursday night at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, it was just qualifying. That's all it was. And they would fit, Easily, they'd fit 100,000 people on there on qualifying night. And the fans back then, cameras were a big deal. Mm -hmm. Just cameras. You know, now we have a cell phone. But it was something really cool about the ambience back then. Because when, you know, drivers would come off the track and, you know, they'd, they'd go through the gearbox. You know, they'd leave, we'd leave pit road, right? First gear, second gear, third gear. Start getting up to speed. And, the fans would come to their feet and they'd start, you'd see all the, the thousands of flashes going off, you know, and it was so awesome. I'm getting chills thinking about it now, but you know, and then you paid the price too. Later that night, if you didn't qualify good, there was complete devastation. You know, it was like, man, what happened to Earnhardt? You know, he didn't make the top 20. What's he going to do? You know, because, you know, back then, they only locked the top 20 in on the first night. 
And then the, the, the second 20, they decided, do they you want to stand on your time or go again? So qualifying was a show back then. And, and you know, we remember when Richard Petty missed a race at Richmond. We remember when Kenny Schrader and Jeff Burton, you know, these great drivers missed races, didn't, didn't get the race. So, you know, you felt it. It, was, it hurt like hell. And they knew what was on the line. Uh, it was incredible time in life. Uh, you know, Sandwich Construction Company was a, a small restaurant, you know, just right outside of Charlotte. And it was like Hollywood. It was like, it was like Studio 54, man. Everybody that was anybody was there. Uh, it was a glorious time. And uh, darn it, somehow we lost our way. But now... That answers that. You asked, what was it like? So now what is it like for me now that I'm retired, living in St. Louis? Uh, I'm living my best life. I, I'm so happy. The reason I moved back here was because I'm such a competitor that um, I got very distraught. I mean, this is, a, this is kind of a bummer of a story. But and I told this on the Dale Jr. You know, podcast. Uh, you know, I was the one, I wanted to be Jeff Gordon. I wanted to be him. I wanted, you know, to be just a little bit lesser, I guess, but I wanted to be. And, and when I realized I didn't have enough talent to be Jeff Gordon, it was, it was a crushing blow to me. And so Charlotte, North Carolina, the Concord area became very toxic to me. It, I didn't like it anymore. Uh, I loved everybody there. Everybody's really good to me, but I just... You know, it's, it's not good memories for me because uh, I'm too competitive. You know, I'm a nice guy, but I didn't get what I wanted. So I said, to hell with it. I'm out of here. Right. And I, I told my wife, I said, we're moving back to St. Louis. And we always did have that plan anyway. But that's why I moved back to St. Louis. Yeah. Well, that's makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're, um, you know, you being a competitor and you being able to go back home, have fun, do what you want to do on your time and pick, pick and choose what you want to do. I, I, it's got to be so freeing for you. Um, and one thing I, I want to make sure we hit before we have to let you go is, you know, you're such a big presence, um, always have been between, uh, you know, being on camera, whether it be race day or, you know, you as a driver interview uh, or social media. And I want to I want to ask you about this because I think you and I are very similar on the social media front. You do a lot more than I do, uh, but I think something very cool about you is you use social media in a very interactive way. But one of the cool things I really like about you is there's beat reporters, there's fans, and there's people that will beat up on everything anybody does, no matter if it's NASCAR, no matter if it's the world, no matter what it is. Somebody's talking shit on it, and, and it's going to be just this entire. It's a, it's a complete shitstorm, really, of what people see and say and stuff on there. And what I love about what you do is you say, hey, you, you get a cup of coffee and say, hey, it's going to be a great day today. Uh, <laughs> you see that kind of stuff, and I love it. And, and I want to know, why, why is that important to you? Because you grew up in an era without social media. You see what happens now and how important it is, but also, you know, you see the toxicity of it, too. So I want to know, why, why is that um, how you handle yourself on social media? I, my mom told me once that I was an old soul. And I said, mom, what does that mean? She goes, you've been here before. And I said, you know, I, I don't, I can't explain myself why I am the way I am. 
But because my mom told me that, uh, I am the way I am because when I when I watch somebody get so upset about something, I immediately try to I, I try to figure out why are they like that, and I've always been like that. Like when I see somebody get out of their race car and run and jump on somebody's car and and start punching people. I'm like, oh my God, something happened early in their life. You know, because, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I get mad too. And I MF people and, you know, I'm hardcore and, you know, I don't want to fight, but I will scrap. But when I see people just, you know, I, I picture this, right? They're sitting on their couch and they're just talking total junk and they're just demeaning, they're demoralizing other people. It, it, it's it's common. They they demean other people because they're missing something in their life, and I know that that's psychological one on one. Why you know you, you demean people to make yourself feel better because you're missing something, and and I try to just stop that crap. Look, you know, man, you, you, what do you what do you want? Do you, do you want a cookie? You know, <laughs> there's no trophy for trashing people, and. It's a horrible, horrible way to live. You know, no, there's nothing wrong with going, hey, you know, you know, the Yankees suck, but but you know, that's fun in games. You, you gotta play them. You have to have competition. If you don't have competition, this don't work. You gotta play each other. Absolutely. And, and, and you gotta know you're gonna play each other again and again and again. And that that's you know, and there's also a, a toxic saying, and, and it goes like this. Be careful. Competition will kill you. And it get right here and take your gut out. So I understand that, you know, and it, and it tore me up. So I, I try to, you know, help people. Hey, look, man, you know, you, you know, stop and think about it. What you went through. These people are up, this upset. And I want to say, listen, you don't have a brain tumor, man. Calm down. Matt Tiff's got a, you know, Matt Tiff got a brain tumor. He's the one that should be pissed, not you. So yeah. these people just need to back it down, and I try to explain that. Yeah. Well, no, and I, and I appreciate that because I think there's so many people that caught up, get caught up with little things. And, and, and you see it, too, just if there's a rule change or, or there's a political thing going on. I mean, Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, really, <laughs> I mean it's, it's just it's such a disaster with that stuff. But what I love about how you approach things. And, and I've always been told that when I was 10 years old, I was 30 when I was 10, you know, it, it's, I think there's so much to be said and we've lost it, of course, with the pandemic and things like that. But when we get back to normal, the, the human interaction, and I think there's so much to be said about that. And, and you are one of the best people that I've met between uh, both Kenny's yourself and Schrader. You know, you guys have had big impacts in my life because of the way you guys grew up in the sport, the way you guys handled yourselves. And really the lasting impact that had on me, because you can have good and bad influences and mentors throughout your career and the people you grew up. Because when I met you, I mean, I was 18 years old and we ran the modifieds at, um, down in uh, Florida. And to me, you know, I'm looking at Kenny Wallace as, as this you know, larger than life figure. But what's cool about you, and I think how you relate to people so well, is that you are you. And I love that about you because at the end of the day, nobody's going to say that Kenny Wallace is trying to be somebody different than Kenny Wallace. And I think I've had to learn that over time to be, who is Matt Tiff? Matt Tiff somebody who froze. 
because his you know, internet I've gone through the horrible. brain tumor deal. I've gone. Um, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I, somebody tried calling me too. I don't want, or they tried texting <laughs> me. So I, I, I'm new. Hey, I, I'm getting new. I'm getting better at Zoom, but I got to figure out how to make them not call me while I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, no, I just I just appreciate what you've done for the, uh, the NASCAR Thank you. community and what you've done for the dirt racing community. So um, where are you going to be next? Where are you going to be racing and where um, and where can people go buy your merch? Because I saw some stuff come out. looks pretty good to me. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, uh, we have a new souvenir company that's kicking butt. They're doing good. It's called Ranch, RaceRanch.com. So go to Race Ranch or just go on any of my social media. Uh, actually, I'm going to go over to our local racetrack tomorrow night. They got uh, they got the triple uh, twos. It's like 2,000 to win for each series. Souvenir is going to be there. Uh, I'll sign some autographs. But then on Saturday morning, I got to fix my race car. And my car, my dirt car was built by Nick Hoffman out of uh, Mooresville, North Carolina. So Saturday around 11, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to go. I'm going to take my wrecked race car. We bent the frame on it last week, and uh, we're going to get it fixed Monday morning. But I'll spend some time with my mom. I'll, I'll stay there with her. She lives in North Carolina. And uh, we'll be back here in St. Louis, and we'll start it all over again. We just race every weekend. So, you know, stay on any social media channel, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and I put my schedule out there. So uh, I'll be racing and uh, I'll be running asphalt too. I'll be running South Bend, Indiana, uh, Berlin, up in Grand Rapids. So I'm excited to do some asphalt racing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you'll have a great time at Berlin. That's one of my favorite places. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. And uh, you guys make sure you go follow him on Twitter. If you haven't already, it's a lot of fun. So make sure you go do it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for having me. I, I'm a big fan of your show. Awesome. Well, that's huge. Look at that. I found. So, so basically, I want to tell you something though, because I have. I'm a new. I'm a Matt Tift. Obviously, when me and him got together, we were talking NASCAR. But I'm a. I'm a new NASCAR fan. So I'm like a baby in all this. So he's teaching me everything he knows, and your name gets brought up constantly. So it's definitely awesome to have a chance to talk to you. Thank you, guys. That humbles me, and I appreciate you all. Awesome. Um, we're going to take a quick break, I would assume. And uh, when we come back, we'll jump into some more stuff Matt wants to talk about. He'll make fun of me a little bit. I'll make fun of him. And then we'll, end up <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Life in the Fast Lane with Matt Tift and myself. So there's a freaking cool guest. What the hell, man? Like he was, a, he is a personality. But one thing that I, I wanted to, to kind of say, I didn't get a chance to tell him just because he was rolling. You guys are doing the interview. It was super awesome. But something like, like I, ha I do pay attention to his tweets. Uh, I, I don't know if he has Facebook or not, but I do pay attention to his tweets. And you are right. He is one of the most... Uh, positive people when it comes to that kind of thing on Facebook and then or on Twitter and then talking to him right now, you get us. I think we got a chance to see something not a lot of, you know, not a lot of people get to see. And so any, anybody who tuned in got a chance to see, uh, you know, somebody who played a big part in, in, in an era of a sport. And it's, you know, for me, that would be the equivalent, uh, you know, of talking to somebody like, um, you know, Mark McGuire or something like that, you know, somebody I've, 
funny I use the cards, but you know, it was Mark McGuire or, or something like that who played who had such a big impact in that era. You know, it was never just one person. It was a, it was an you know it was a, a many many players, but in that era, he was he's a standout person. You know what I mean? He's a standout, and that's what's going to live on. Yeah, no, I think that's what that's why I want to ask him about that, and that's what's so cool to hear. I mean. The, what he's talking about there, you know, going out to qualify. Um, yeah. I mean, that's not even, that's two, you run one or two laps and that is it. And 100,000 people used to show up for that. And that's when I was telling you before, 300,000 people, two to 300,000 people would show up every weekend to these races. I mean, insane. Um, and that's what's so cool about the nostalgia of, of um, him talking about the, the light bulbs going off. And when you go back and watch these 90s races, I mean, you cannot fit more people than they did in those areas than they did back then. It was absolutely insane. I mean, they the drivers would have to get helicoptered out of the track because they could not get out because of the track. So that's how that's nuts crazy. it was. Um, but I mean, what a what a cool deal about someone yeah. who grew up um, who grew up in that era of racing with Dale Earnhardt, with Richard Petty, with Jeff Gordon, um, Dale Jarrett, Ricky Rudd. Um, just some of the, and Tony Stewart, some of the biggest names in the sport, um, Bobby Labonte, I mean, my goodness, the list goes on. Um, just such a cool perspective because this guy is someone who's still actively engaged um, in the modern NASCAR world, but also back to the grassroots too. And I think that's what's so neat about him talking about his story from Bristol, um, his experience through the 2000s and what NASCAR did right and wrong. And, you know, he talked about Steve Phelps, who is now, uh, you know, he's the, the essentially the commissioner of NASCAR now. And I think what's cool about him is he's shown a level of respect from being an, uh, a 90s NASCAR driver and saying, hey, right. this is the thing that we screwed up. Like, that's a big deal for a commissioner to say, we messed up. Like, let's go fix it. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And to get the support from someone who came from that era, who came from the dirt tracks and did those things growing up. That, that's so big. And I think that, um, you know, just getting his stories on there, um, his outlook on on his racing career, his life, um, why I moved back. It's, it's fascinating to me. Uh, I knew I knew we moved back to St. Louis, but I didn't know why. And, and so interesting, the um, the fact of, you know, going to chase a dream then coming back because of the, you know, just the feelings and stuff in there. Um, it's really cool to get someone's perspective like that. And um, one of the reasons yeah. I love just his, his openness. He's always like that. And uh, that's why people love him. No, it was super cool. Super cool interview. I'm glad I got a chance to meet him. Not, and I'm sure I'm one of the, I'm, I'm sure people are so jealous of me right now going, man, you got a chance to sit down and talk with him. And, and you know what? I, I think that's, uh, I think that was the cool part was that he is such a character in a good way. He is such a character and he played such a big part in something that I'm just now getting into. And it's like, if I would have been into it my whole life, I probably would have been, you know, freaking out or, or nervous or, or whatever. But he, he really is just a regular, normal guy that that is a, a good guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at just like baseball, you know, you go back to any of the great 90s teams in, in the um, the Browns 70s and 80s teams and things like that it's it's in those eras that he was a part of and that's why it's so cool to be able to talk to someone like that who's so open in speaking yeah. about it so um, it was awesome to, to have him um, I gotta ask though switching gears a little bit you've been buying some Dogecoin or no dude I have not <laughs> dude, I have I, not I, I'm so dude. mad because I had a thousand dollars in Dogecoin three weeks ago and it's just losing 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 me like so I said, you know what? I'm gonna go buy some gift cards. 
would have been four thousand dollars today if it would have just kept that thing in there so yeah um, but everybody panics i didn't even really know what it was to be honest with you like i get it it's cryptocurrency but like the thing is i just don't i don't know enough about it to want anyway I, I, honestly i don't even want to learn about it but there's not like i don't know enough about it to to invest intelligently and that would be the biggest mistake ever so I would love to, you know, just talk about society of today in the 90s and uh, going back then saying, hey, in uh, in 20 or 30 years here, we're not going to have flying cars, but we're going to have fake currency that we mine and it's worth something. And then this guy who makes electric cars tweets something. What's a tweet? Oh, it's like this this email. No, it's not like this letter that you send that everybody sees on a TV. Thing, but kind of, like, it'd just be funny to go back and, and be like, hey, oh, it would be. <laughs> oh dude absolutely that would be can you imagine trying to explain to you know uh, 40, 40 years ago you know having to go back in time and explain 40 years ago what webcam is and what zoom is what, what the heck it is would, a podcast? like what are we doing is this yeah, exactly is this a fireside chat like what is it <laughs> a fireside chat but the thing is like think about that like email wasn't around and if it you know like there's just so many weird things you'd be burned at the stake you'd be called a witch you know what i mean like like it's just it's crazy think about even going back before there was like electricity to tell people what we're doing now on even just the slightest no it's 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 funny for sure i, I don't i don't know but um but yeah notice Super cool to uh, to have Kenny on the show um, we yep. are today, but make sure yep. you guys check us out on Spotify, um, on iHeartRadio, on iTunes. Our episodes are constantly being uploaded to there. If you missed today's episode, we will be uploading that um, here shortly. So over the next um, few weeks to days or two days to weeks here, we will have all the um, all the episodes up so you can go binge listen to them. And uh, yeah. Binge listen. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's to- right. Give us a follow. Right, give us a follow uh, on Twitter. Mine is at Keith Meyer one, uh, at Matt underscore Tift. I do believe correct. As I don't have anything in front of me. I have a computer. I'm on location. This is horrible. I, okay. I look like a lobster that wears glasses. This is awful. I just, I, I, I'm an Ohio person, man. Like I, I it's hot. It's hot here. It's, it's more accurate that you're a, um, you're a calamari person rather than a lobster. I am a calamari person. See, now you know my favorite food is 100% calamari. Yep, All right, guys. Thank- That's right. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Teespring. Check out the merch store. We will be back with you Monday uh, having a good show. Um, we're constantly growing. We're constantly having fun. We're adding new things, uh, not just to our show, but to all the shows we produce. The volleyball is doing all kinds of crazy work in the uh, back. Is, do you you know why we call him the volleyball, right? Like the Wilson from Castaway, because he's constantly stranded in the office doing nothing but work. Yeah. So that's why we call him the volleyball. But uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. We'll be back Monday. Follow us on all our social media stuff because it's cool to do and we like that kind of stuff, uh, mainly just because we want followers and I don't want to feel like I'm the loneliest person in the world. So follow me and uh, <laughs> we'll be back Monday night. Please follow me.